Hey, thanks everyone. Uh, last week, if you were here, you remember we did an update just on our, um, our budget situation. We were about uh, 22000 behind budget, and last week we had just an amazing offering. We had over a $10,000 offering, so thank you for that. And uh, I know many of you have put in pledges to make this up, and so let's continue to work together uh, just to uh, polish this off so we can continue uh, just uh, pouring into the kingdom of God here and, uh, and around our midst. And, and we did, just uh, did a grad lunch here. We were talking about the grad lunch. We had um, most of the grads from Mount Sentinel show up here. We invited them over and we had a bunch of thank you for all who came and helped and volunteered. We had them come over here. Uh, we had scripture on the screen. We asked the principal, vice principal, is okay if we prayed blessing over them? And so I got to share a little bit and uh, pray blessing over them. Uh, Abby showed up, and she read a portion from her book and also just blessed the grads and gave them, uh, offered them a free session of uh, uh, counseling with her. And so we really got to pour into them. So it was, it was awesome. They loved it. And so uh, we got to keep praying in, into the school. It's an awesome opportunity. And uh, thank you for those who, who helped with that. And like uh, we have been doing for the last couple of weeks, uh, because we're talking on worship, we're going to end the service today with three worship songs, and, um, and uh, some, people, some people have been liking it, so maybe we'll continue for a little while, I don't know, we'd like your feedback on that anyways, but we are going to talk today about uh, worship and the presence of God, and so let me, let me pray. Father, we... Uh, we just honor you and we thank you, God, for you are so absolutely worthy of all of us and all who we are. Uh, God, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray you would minister to us. We pray you would touch us. God, we would pray that you continue to, to teach us about uh, true worship, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. God, we pray that you continue to tear down walls. And God, just uh, to bring us to a place where we're not afraid to surrender all of us uh, all of ourselves, God, into your presence. And so, God, would you watch over this time and, and uh, now just do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And there is Sunday school. That's right. And uh, so if you do have grade two and under who wants to head off to Sunday school, can Karen's back there, and you can make your way to the back, if, if you want to go. There's exciting stuff in here, too. My other clicker broke last week, you remember that. I don't know what happened to it, but new battery didn't even help, so now I got the old one, which doesn't work so good. So, uh, Anyways, uh, just a quick summary of where we've been throughout this series. We began the series talking about how uh, everyone on this planet is a worshiper, that we're just designed to worship. Now, not everyone worships Jesus, but, but we all worship something. Uh, we all look to something kind of outside of ourselves that is going to save us, that is going to help us, that's going to satisfy us, that's going to bring us life. And for those of us who follow Jesus, uh, we have found that Jesus is the one who gives life in, in, in a way that can't be found anywhere else. Uh, there's no one who transforms us more than Jesus. There's no one who empowers us more than Jesus. There's no one more worthy than Jesus. And so we don't worship our cars, we don't worship our houses, we don't uh, run after money or fame or fortune, we run after Jesus. That's what uh, we are about as followers of Jesus. And we talked about how worship, as we 
stare into the face of Jesus is not just a Sunday thing. Worship is more than a song. It is something that we are called to do all the time. Uh, that everything we do is to be worship. Every thought we think, every word we speak, uh, every job we take, every move we make is, is to be worship. Because we just want to honor Jesus with our whole lives because he has done so much for us. But we also talked about how uh, pretty much all the time in the Bible when the word worship is used, it's not talking about worshiping while you work or worshiping as you play. It's talking about being singularly focused on Jesus without distraction. Where someone is just focused on Jesus uh, through reading the scripture, through prayer, through worship. And we talked about how worship is one of the most important ways that we do that. That the idea of singing a song in worship is actually found uh, more in the Bible than actually the idea of prayer. It is so common. And so one of the ways we, we worship is through, is through song and music and singing. It's incredibly important. Last week, uh, we talked about how to make worship more meaningful. Because it's supposed to be in, uh, such an important part of our Christian walk, we talked about how to make it more meaningful. We talked about keeping our focus on Jesus as we sing. Because it's easy to get distracted by other people. It's easy to get distracted by, you know, what is that person going to think if I do this? It's easy to get distracted by preferences. Well, I don't like that song. Or I don't like the band or the band's attitude. We talked about just putting our focus on Jesus. And we talked about this quote here. Uh, Eugene Peterson said this. <clears throat> Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. And, and this is why worship can be so hard for some, because it's a time where we, 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 just wanna, we just focus on Jesus. And we're so used to in our lives focusing on ourselves that sometimes worship can be difficult. But if you want to make it meaningful, you just focus your face on Jesus. And you just, just put your worship on Him. And then we talked about bringing in motion our emotions to, into worship. We are called to love God, not just with our mind, but with our heart and our soul. That our worship should be emotional. Uh, the words like, we are the bride of Christ. We are sons and daughters. We call uh, God Abba Father, like Daddy Father. These are all words that are emotional, that carry intimacy. And so we, our worship is not just to be with our head, but with um, our emotions as well. And we also talked about worshiping with our strength. Uh, that worship is not to be just uh, you know, kind of standing still as we, oh, you read my thoughts, thank you. As long as I don't kick it over. Uh, that worship is, is, uh, is with our strength. It, our body is to be involved. Now, we talked about if you're just not an expressive person, that you go to a hockey game and you just sit there like, and you're at a rock concert and you're like, we can understand maybe why that's just you. But if you're at a hockey game going, whoa, and you're at a rock concert, you're like giving all this honor to this rock musician. But when you come into church where we honor Jesus and you're not doing anything, then th that's an issue. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is no way, as we talked about last week, if you just took out our cultural filters that you would ever come up with the idea that this position is the sort of the, the normal position for worship. Uh, if you look biblically, the normal position is, is at least this or something, it's, it involves, so we talked about that. And we talked about tips last week in worship, things like uh, repeating song lyrics over and over and over, that, that, that helps engage our heart and, and helps us to move things from here to here. We talked about engaging your imagination, 
that you take words of the lyrics and you picture them in your mind. It helps you focus on Jesus. Whether you picture Jesus in our midst because he is. We talked about how our imagination brings, back, uh, uh, brings a truer reality into our worship. Uh, because we, we picture Jesus here and he actually is here. And so that's what we talked about last week. And we're going to begin today with the verse that we've been reading every single time. It's kind of our theme verse. And that's Psalm 89. It says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. There is a call upon all our lives to worship Jesus. And the, the question is, are, are you answering that call? Uh, the reason we should is because he is worthy. We talked about that. But we're going to talk today that the reality is when you put your focus on Jesus, it is amazing how you are changed. And that's what this text says. You want to be happy? Of course we do. We want to have more joy in our lives. It's not about buying a new boat. It says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. I mean, it's hard to be weighed down by your problems when you're singing, how great is my God? When your focus is on Jesus, it's hard to, uh, your problems just get smaller. The old song, the things of this world go strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. You, you want to walk in the light of his presence? Learn to be a worshiper. They will rejoice all day long. You want to be that person? Even in the storm where you just have this joy? Learn to be a worshiper. They exalt in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. There's nothing that strengthens more than worship. It is such a key, uh, important part of our walk with Jesus, that we would all learn to be worshipers. And so we've been talking how to do that uh, through song and through music. And we're going to talk about the presence of God in worship today. And we're going to begin just a little bit of, a bit of theology here with the idea of God's presence. Uh, God is omnipresent. This is what the, the theological word for this, that God's whole being is present at every point and place. Doesn't matter where you are in this universe, God's whole being is at every point that you can point at or look at, or he's just, he is omnipresent. Doesn't matter if you go home, God is there. Doesn't matter if you come here, God is here. Doesn't matter if you go to Pluto, God is there. And so there is one sense that we can't say, well, God's not here. You can never say that, because he is. Uh, Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your, your uh, spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Good old St. Augustine said, He is not extended through space by size, so that half of him should be in half of the world and half uh, on the other half of it. He is wholly present in the whole of it, as to be holy in heaven alone and holy in the earth alone and holy in heaven and earth together, unconfined to any one place. He is himself everywhere holy. Wherever you are, God is. I mean, you can worship Jesus at home. I do it all the time. You, I pick favorite band, Jesus Culture, Chris Tomlin, whatever it is, and I, and I put it on YouTube and I worship. You can do that at home because God is there. God is wherever you are. And it's important to understand. Now, some people take this and they stop here. They will say, uh, we should never pray prayers like this. Uh, God, would you be with us? Because they say, well, God's with you. God's everywhere, so God's always with you. 
Or you should never pray, God, would you be present in our service today? Because they say, well, God is present whether you're there or not. He's always present. And that is partly true. But what they're missing out on is this whole theology that sometimes God reveals or displays his presence even though he is omnipresent. And theologians uh, call this God's manifest presence. That is, when God displays, makes known, and demonstrates his presence. God is everywhere. But sometimes we just like, wow, God is really here. I mean, it's not like he's like more there or not, but he's just displaying his glory. He is blessing. He is moving. He is doing something. It's tangible. This is what theologians call the manifest presence of God. Lots of examples all throughout the scripture. All of us would have examples too. Exodus 40. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now God was there before the tabernacle was even there. But here his presence is manifest. It is made known. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was, was not able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. That there was like an extra dimension or just he's displaying his glory, displaying his power so much that Moses couldn't even go in because the presence of the Lord was so strong. You take a picture of like Jacob in the Old Testament when he has this dream. He's sleeping, he has this dream and this vision of this ladder of angels coming up and down from heaven. And he wakes up and he says, surely God is in this place. Well, obviously God was there. Of course, he's, he's, he's omnipresent, but he revealed himself to Jacob there. He displayed his glory. He showed up in a way that was tangible. This is the manifest presence of God. God is not just omnipresence, but he can also choose to manifest himself at any time and place that he chooses. Dr. Michael Brown, who's a theologian, uh, a writer, said this, and, and this would be similar to a lot of our stories. He said, over the course of my years in the Lord, there have been times when a personal breakthrough seems so difficult, whether it was a besetting sin that seems so hard to resist or a step of obedience that seems so impossible to take. You ever been there? Struggling with the sin, it's just like you're struggling or God is asking you to do something. You're just saying, I don't think I can do that. Or they're just weighed down by the difficulties. We know what that's like. But many of us know what this is like. And then... During a glorious worship service where the Spirit of God began to move in power, this is manifest presence, or while praying at home alone, the Lord's presence took hold of me in a profound way, and suddenly that sin was gone, or that seemingly impossible step was taken, and it wasn't hard at all. At other times, I've witnessed breakthroughs in public gatherings where repentance or healing were suddenly poured out and lives were instantly changed. This is what happens when the presence of God is manifest in our midst. When, when God says, I'm going to reveal myself to this person. I'm going to reveal myself to these people. I'm going to show up in a way that is tangible. Lives are changed. And this is what life is about. It's about loving Jesus and loving people and seeing lives changed. And we cannot change lives outside the manifest presence of God. Exodus 33. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. So even God uses this terminology. My presence will, well, of course, God, you're everywhere. No, he says, my, this is his manifest presence will go with you. And Moses understood how important this was. And I hope that this verse is just core to your life. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else distinguishes me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? What distinguishes us from others? God's in us. God will never leave us nor forsake us. And God sometimes manifests himself to us or in a group in a powerful way that changes lives. A.W. Tozer, a lot of you have read his books. He's a popular author from history. He said, the presence, and the, manifest presen- uh, m- the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. God is here when we are wholly uh, unaware of it. He is manifest only when we, uh, uh, sorry, he is manifest only when, uh, reading that right, and he is manifest only when, and as we are aware of his presence, you got it anyways, and our part, there must be surrender to the spirit of God for his work, it is to show us the father and the son. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us. And that manifestation will be the difference between the nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the life, the light of his face. I mean, do you want to be filled with the radiant, the light of his face? This is where we need to be saying, God, would you be with me? This would be a prayer. God, would you show up at church? God, would you reveal yourself at work? God, would you show up at school? God, we want to see you move because I know I can't do things on my own without you. This prayer of Moses that, God, what distinguishes us from other people? It's when God shows up and changes us. Uh, This is so important in, in our lives. And a lot of people have stories. I mean, there are thousands of stories of people just having these experiences with God where it's not just God is omnipresent, but it was like God really showed up. I mean, lots throughout history. D.L. Moody, of course, is one of them. He said, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I can't describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is also almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke of for 14 years. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths. And yet hundreds were converted. I would not be now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience if you should give me all the world. I mean, it, it, God showed up in power one day in his life and he was transformed never to be the same again. And sometimes God meets you when you're struggling with a sin and you've been battling it and you've been battling it and you just give up and you just, Jesus, I surrender to you. I just look to you and all of a sudden God just manifests himself and all of a sudden you, you just find that temptation gone. Uh, there are times when uh, there are thousands of stories of people who have been healed during a worship service. Uh, just, just, in fact, I just read one not long ago of a, a 10-year-old boy who went to a worship service with his, his family. And uh, he was just sitting there during worship and he had glasses on. And, and all of a sudden, his, he was, his eyes were blurry. And he took off his glasses and he could see. And he put them back on and they were blurry. And he grabbed his dad's leg and said, I don't need glasses anymore. And he didn't need glasses anymore. Just just worship. Uh, Sometimes God chooses to show up. In fact, there's a strong connection between worship and God just revealing himself and showing up. James uh, McDonald, a reformed preacher, 
said this, Nothing brings glory down in the church as quickly and as powerfully as when God's people unashamedly adore God's great son, Jesus Christ. Not just a, a few enthusiasts in the front row when the service starts, but a room packed to the walls with fired up Christians. There's nothing that God loves more. I mean, God just loves to show up in a church or to an individual when he sees someone just wholeheartedly worshiping him. God loves to show up when he sees someone just wholeheartedly worshiping him. And when a church is just wholeheartedly worshiping, uh, it's just more of an open door for God to work. Now, we can never control God. We need to make sure we understand this. God is not a genie where we can just rub the lamp of worship and all of a sudden, boom, God's going to show up and do stuff. God is a person. We can't force him to do anything any more than I can force my wife to give me a kiss. But I tell you what, if I'm a loving, humble, servant-oriented husband, she's going to kiss me. And I tell you, when you come before Jesus with a surrendered heart, a heart of repentance, a heart of love, that God, I just want all of you, just would you do whatever it takes in my life to just bring me closer to you, I tell you, God manifests himself to those kind of people. In fact, that whole A.W. quote, I was going to read the whole thing, but he goes on and talks about how the difference between nominal Christians and Christians that are just, that have this extraordinary strength is the difference between uh, people who are just, when someone's face is turned towards Jesus, God shows up more. And you wonder why some people have all these amazing stories about what God has done, and these are people who step out of faith. These are people who are surrendered. These are people who are just like, Jesus, whatever you want, I'm willing. But if you're distracted during worship and you never have times during the day where you fix your thoughts on him, you're never walking in faith, that, that's probably why you don't see God doing a lot. All right, here's the main story. It's in Chronicles 20. The connection between worship and God showing up in power and victory. It says, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Menuhites, whatever they are, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. The best name in the whole Bible. It's a good name to name your kids, Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it is already in, he's in the area of Anged. You know where this army is close. And we all know what this is like in life. A lot of times the pictures, physical pictures in the Old Testament are to teach us spiritual lessons. And, and we know what it's like to have armies coming against us. Might be financial difficulty, might be health difficulties, it might be a, a sin that you're struggling with. It might be a marriage or relational difficulties. There are times, I mean, Jesus said in this life you're going to have trouble. We, we know what it's like to be under the pressure from the enemy or from the world or whatever it might be. The question is, what do you do when you run into trouble? Now, what's your first reaction? Now, what do you think Jehoshaphat should do? Oh, we're going to get our army together? Is that what he should do? Well, that's what we tend to think to do, but he said this. It says this, alarmed, obviously, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. You know, the Bible says to seek first his kingdom. Not your, your own wisdom, not get a whole bunch of advice. Seek first the kingdom. That's what he does. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Well, shouldn't he be feeding his military officers? Shouldn't he be, you got to get strong for the fight coming along? No, he says, we're going to seek God and we're going to fast because we know where the answer lies. The people of Judah came together to seek 
help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And, and Jehoshaphat goes on to pray this, this awesome prayer. And he ends his prayer with this. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I hope this is you. Because we're usually like, I think I know what to do. I think I can figure this out. But our eyes need to be on Jesus. Because sometimes he has a completely different answer than what we think is the right way. And his way is always the best way. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. So this prophet. And sometimes God will speak through other people. Sometimes God will speak to you. Sometimes God will speak to someone else and give you a message. It's called prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of all these other guys. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. Those Father's Day, maybe we should honor those fathers. Uh, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And I believe this is a word to some of you. The battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Uh, Zechariah says, it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit. Now, this never means you just sit back and do nothing. God will always ask you to take a step of faith. I mean, God doesn't just solve all our answers just like easy. I mean, uh, faith doesn't necessarily make life uh, easier, but it makes things possible, right? Do not be afraid or discouraged, because you've got a great God. This is why we worship. It reminds us of who God is. Tomorrow, march down against them, he goes on and says, you will have, not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give to you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Do you notice what God said? Go out and face them. This is what they had to do. Usually when God asks us, there's going to be a step of faith. That's a scary one. I mean, they've just been fasting, and now they've got to go fight. Go out. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Notice they didn't say, well, that was a stupid idea. We don't trust prophets. They took it seriously. Now, we're to weigh prophecy and judge prophecy, but the Bible never says we never should despise it. We weigh it. Line it up with God's word. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And, and it said, then some Levites and these other guys stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. We talked about that last week. And then it says, early in the morning, they left for the desert to go out. Now, I don't know. They were worshiping. Then it says, early in the morning, they may have been worshiping all night. I don't know. That's what I kind of think. Just, God, this is, this is you. You said this is going to be your battle. I'm going to trust you. We're going to step out in faith, and we are going to honor you. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Are you doing that in your troubles? Whatever army is facing you today, are you seeking God? Are you looking to him? Do you realize that often it is his battle? Early right in the morning, they left for the desert. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Note this song, Give Thanks to the Lord's Love, because it's going to come up a few times. I think we're going to sing it at the end, too, something like that. 
But notice, he puts the worshipers out front. There's like a huge army, way bigger than they, and they put the worshipers out front. And as they, because they're just, God, you're going to do this. God, we trust in you. We're going to lead our lives with worship. And this is what God is calling us to do, that we must lead our lives with worship. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of all these armies, and they destroyed each other. They didn't have to do anything. They just had to step out in faith, praise and worship. The worship team's out his front. And as soon as they began to sing, the Lord manifests his presence and they're free. And this happens in worship. You're weighed down by your troubles, your battles in life. And as soon as you lift your heart to sing, God begins to move. Again, you can't force God. He may not move, but he loves to show up when he sees someone wholeheartedly worshiping him. And you know, this stuff is not just Old Testament. Uh, some of us, story's been going a little bit. Uh, Sean Voigt, who is a worship leader, has been spending some time in Iraq with uh, working with uh, the refugee camps and worshiping in the refugee camps, uh, talking to people about Jesus. And, and there's hundreds and hundreds of Muslims coming to Jesus who are fleeing because ISIS, they're attacking other Muslims, and these Muslims are running. In fact, there are a lot of new people groups we never even knew about who've been coming out of the hills, coming to these refugee camps, and they're meeting Jesus. So he's ministering in the refugee camp, and some of these Kurdish Peshmerga soldiers, uh, one of the generals comes up to him and says, can you come to the front lines with us and, and bring some of your Christian musicians? And he's like, what? So he's like, okay. And, and so as they're heading into battle, he's, he's like, because these are Muslims fighting ISIS, Muslims against Muslims. And it's not just like some like light battle. They're fighting for their towns, their women, their children. It's a bloody, bloody battle. And he's like, you guys know we're Christians, right? And the general's like, yep. Like, you know we sing to Jesus, right? Yeah, we know. He's like, you know we don't sing to Muhammad. Yeah, you know that we think Jesus is the hope of Iraq, He's like, yeah, and so they, they get there, and they hand Sean Boyd and some of his men an AK-47 and say, you know, yesterday was a bloody fight right here. You're going to need this, and he's freaking out, and uh, his band is freaking out, and the, the military leader says, Sean, just sing, just sing, and, and they're like, well, why do you want us to sing? And he says this, whenever we have Christian musicians sing on the front lines, we win the battle. coming from a Muslim military leader. And, and he can see the ISIS black flag flying, and they sing, and through that night, that battle, they, they won the town back. In fact, this is a quote from one of the Kurdish military leaders. He was a Muslim. He says this, send your Christian musicians to sing on the front lines with them, with us. We need them more than weapons or tanks. And you know what's fascinating about this? is that this Iraqi military leader has more faith in God's ability to work through worship than a lot of Christians. And a lot of Christians are like, no, it's just a song. It's just kind of sing along before the sermon. There is power in worship. God loves, loves, loves to show up when you see someone wholeheartedly worshiping Him. And all throughout the Bible, there's connections of worship and victory and power. The walls of Jericho, 
there wasn't a military fight. They marched around with the Ark of the Covenant blowing trumpets, and they shout, and the walls calm, calm down. We see Moses on the hill in position of prayer and worship. When his hands are up, the battle is being won. When his hands are down, the battle is being lost, and this is often life. When you choose to be a worshiper and you choose to lead and to live your life as a worshiper, focused on Jesus, loving Jesus, it is amazing the power and victory you begin to see in your life. And again, we see this throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. Second Chronicles. The trumpeters and singers perform together in unison. Here's worship. To praise and to give thanks to the Lord accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words. And here's that song again. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Wholeheartedly worshiping Him. And what happens? God shows up. God manifests his presence. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. And then a little while later, Solomon's dedicating the temple. And again, there's worship going on. In verse 2, the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down, and the glory of the Lord above the temple. They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, singing, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. God loves to show up when He sees a person or a group wholeheartedly worshiping Him. It changes us. God does stuff in us. We see Paul and Silas. We're almost done here. They're beat to a pulp, thrown in jail, and what do they do? They worship. They worship. And then what happens? God shows up. He manifests his presence. Their chains are free. People are saved. And this amazing testimony. In fact, all through the Gospels, you see that when most people come to Jesus, it's a result of God showing up through a healing or feeding the 5,000s or something. God moving. God is changing people. That's why we need to constantly say, God, would you show up? at my workplace. God, would you show up at church? God, would you show up as I'm talking to this person at work about Jesus? Because he's just amazing. Last verse, and then we're going to worship. They spread a net, this is David, for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into themselves. Do you feel bowed down in distress today? feel like you're in a pit? you feel like your enemies are spreading a net for you, whether it be Satan and his henchmen trying to kill, steal, and destroy, or whatever it might be? What do you do? You come up with some wise plan? No, you seek the Lord like Jehoshaphat. You seek Jesus. I don't know what to do, Lord, but my face is on you, as King Jehoshaphat said. And this is what David says. What do you do when you're in distress and down and troubled it says, my heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O oh God, above the heavens. And let your glory be over all the years. What is the response? We're going to worship. We're going to turn our eyes to him. We're going to put away 
our focus on our troubles and we're going to put our focus on him. And it's surprising when you do that, it is surprising how God can show up. You might just feel joy being able to fill yourselves. You may feel God even physically sometimes. People feel physically warmth or tingling or just the presence of God. Some people end up in tears. Some people end up in joy. Some people just, just find themselves touched or healed or whatever, or just whatever, even if it's just your focus on him and he doesn't touch you. It doesn't matter if he touches you or not. He is still worthy, right? So I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're going to finish with three songs as we've been doing. Yeah. It is very true. God, uh, by far, wants to do more in our lives than we sometimes have faith or expectation for. So let's stand together. Father, we, we just thank you for Jesus. There is no other name that is more worthy than the name of Jesus. There is no other name that can bring life and help and victory than the name of Jesus. And Jesus, we just want to take this time as we close with a few songs to honor you. God, to say from our hearts that we love you. God, to, uh, to lay our sin and our shame and our discouragement at your feet. And God, we trade that in for your spirit of joy. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. God, we pray that as we attempt with our effort to wholeheartedly worship you. God, that you would touch us today. God, there are some of us in this room who need encouragement. God, we pray you would touch us with encouragement. God, there is maybe someone here who needs healing in their body. We pray, God, for healing over those bodies. God, we pray for those who are struggling emotional with emotional weight. God, we pray that that might be lifted. And above all those things, God, we pray you'd help us to get a glimpse of your glory. That you'd help us to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. faith. God, we love you. We honor you. We give you our all. In Jesus' name, amen.